0: Welcome, everyone.
1: It's time to focus your attention and presence and listen with an open mind.
0: All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Flying Sage podcast. I'm really excited and grateful to be joined by my friend and fellow colleague in lots of ways, Brian Carew. Brian is many things in this world and someone that I've been looking up to for a while now on my community building path and also my path as a facilitator and really stoked that in the past few months here, Brian's stepped into a role as community leader with the flying stage as well. And so there's a lot of things I'd love to get into with Brian today in the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Brian.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. It's awesome. Awesome to be here. Really an honor.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, super glad that we've carved up some time to have this conversation. And I would love, if you don't mind, to just pass things over to you for a moment to share an introduction for yourself for those uh, those people out there that maybe don't know about you yet. Who is Brian or Lion Carew?
1: Yeah, thanks man. Thanks so much and thanks for presenting the other name. Yeah, I was I was given the name Brian. I, I claimed the name, name Lion. That's kind of like another story, but who I am and what I do, I guess the condensed version of it is I began my career as a respiratory therapist, which is a a lung specialist. I was working in intensive care. I had a specialization in education around artificial airways, particularly tracheostomies. And in that education, I I gained a profound Love for humans, and also the the death process. I was around a lot of death and dying, and I came to realize that allopathic medicine was it didn't it didn't uh, spark a lot of passion in me, and I thought I could do better outside of that system, and it felt very like confining. And it has a place, but I think it's overused. So I wanted to learn how to help people from more of an Eastern philosophy. So I moved into movement, which evolved into embodiment, which evolved into eroticism. Along that journey, psychedelics has been a profound assistance in my knowledge and awareness. And now I, I work primarily as a, an embodiment and erotic coach. And I really just help people to live embodied lives and understand what it means to live their purpose through an embodied state, not just like mind state, but for, through the body and in harmony with the body.
0: That's incredible. Thank you, Brian. I think your journey really speaks to something that I really admire in you, which is your dedication to what you know is right. And I feel like you've always had, it always seems from the outset, especially like when I first met you and encountered you, that you have this like really integral compass, which is kind of guiding you towards seeing through kind of the illusions that are constantly put on us in the world, especially around the concepts of health. There's a lot of um, misinformation out there, and I feel like you've done a really great job at pushing through all that, despite what other people' judgments, other people have, or uh, other information that might be out there. You've really charted out this really unique path, and I think are de- definitely demonstrating yourself as a leader in the space. And so, when it comes to holistic embodiment, that seems to be the big theme there across all the different domains that you've shared. Could you share with the audience a little bit about what that means to you? What exactly is holistic embodiment?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the question. For me, holistic embodiment really came from, I'll I'll tell a little bit of a story here before I give the full definition, because I love to tell stories, but that that lack of what I hoped to see in healthcare and allopathic medicine is what drove me towards this holistic embodied approach to living, which is accounting for the many layers of our human experience. We, as humans, of course, have this physical body, and that is one layer, and it's often very much uh, emphasized because it's where our senses come from. It it feels very real. But of course, we have a mental aspect to us this this voice that constantly narrates with inside of us or mental body. There's emotions, the energy or the sensation inside of our body that is nonverbal. And you could even argue that there are other extensions of our body, energetically, or even like a spiritual body. And I believe that if we aren't to account for all the layers of ourselves as humans, then how are we to achieve our highest potential or our greatest state or what is vital? And that is really my definition, is that like regarding every aspect of what we can experience and what we are as a human and, and seeing it as uh, absolutely paramount and vital. Um the main, I'd say missing pieces, but it's actually emerging so much right now is that the, the subtle aspects of our existence. So the non-physical and how much that actually really affects and influences the physical. And so for me, that holistic embodied living is, is really just recognition and awareness of all the aspects of the human experience and then doing one's best to actually explore that, to understand the interweaving kind of like an organ system, instead of just saying like, Oh, there's the heart and the lungs and, and separating them. It's like, Oh, they actually interweave and they affect each other. And they're in this intimate dance. And what happens when I am in deep understanding, not just from my, from a lived experience, what happens to my lived experience when I'm looking at all those aspects. And, and that would be that like holistic state of living, like looking at all, looking at and experiencing and living into all those aspects.
0: Thanks for sharing that. That's really interesting to hear you weave the different concepts together. And I'm curious to know like, so you've mentioned now a couple of times allopathic medicine and kind of your direction as almost a contrast to this standard medical system that we have or type of medicine. Would you say that it's the approach that you're taking now with holistic embodiment and just everything that you just shared there in terms of the, you know, looking towards this more subtle, changes in our consciousness, then leading to physical sensations. It it almost feels like you're speaking to uh, reading through these things backwards. Like it's almost going, starting from the other end and moving the other way, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like, you know, with Mm. allopathic medicine, it's like you're looking at the physical symptoms and then trying to determine mental states from that. If at all, a lot of times it's just only focusing on symptoms. Right. But Mm. I think you're speaking to this aspect of moving the other way with, would you resonate with that as well
1: i do i do resonate with that it it's it would seem inverse but when we it's important to know what we are as humans to the best of our ability if we want to understand what emerges and what manifests in our experience and so i'll tie this in with allopathic medicine allopathic medicine there's kind of two things that i see about it again it focuses on the the, simply the physicality and the symptoms that arise and it's symptom management. And with direct experience, it's a great place for traumatic injury and for traumatic situation, but it's not really healthcare. It's, it's, it's a trauma, like physical body trauma care or like um, addressing those situations. It's not really a care model. It's a, it's a, okay, you're in in dire straits model. And then of course there's, I mean, we don't have to dive too, too deep in this, but there's the whole ethical issue of, that uh, allopathic medicine is a huge industry of uh, cap like gaining capital and profit off of the the so called health of individuals, which is a, a an ethical mess. Um, but coming back to like what we are, if we don't understand what we are, then we can't know where we come from and what manifests from that. And a lot of for many years, people thought consciousness emerged from the brain, which implies that consciousness emerges from matter. I've reversed that as we can understand now that really energy is the bottom of everything and everything's arising from it. And why I say that, how I why I tie that in is that if we understand what we are, that we're not actually physical matter, that we're vibrating energy, the things that we think, the things that we feel will affect our physical body. And I'll say that again. So How we think is a form of, of vibrational electric energy. The way that I feel, you could say, is a form of magnetism. And this affects my physical body. And this is the approach that... If we inverse can actually be quite profound because it implies that the way you think and the way you feel will manifest in a physical symptom or it will manifest in your body which you know 10 years ago when i was getting into this stuff people are like wow that's woo that's, that's insane but now it's very much seen as like of course like you know it's more widely accepted and this is yeah this is that inverse inverting it and and also it's it's very powerful not so good for the allopathic model because it's not a great thing to profit from, but it's very powerful for the individual because it shows that the healing that you so wish to achieve is within yourself. It's how you go about doing your your life and the other people you can receive those, let's say, harmonizing vibrational experiences from, and and that is that's what really gets me going is. Um, a holistic approach to life is empowering. It gives you the power to to become who you want to be, and it doesn't. It, you don't have to praise some sort of false god like the healthcare god. Oh, without you know allopathic medicine, I'll never be healthy. No, actually, you, you have it within you, and all those other external things may be of assistance, but they're only playing at what is already inherently within you. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. It, there's an interesting tie there, I feel like, to psychedelics. To what mm-hmm. comes to mind for me when you're sharing that? First was the term psychosomatic, um, getting at the idea that there's these psychological aspects of ourselves that are kind of embodied or found in the body. And then further to your point around the this healing force inside one, inside all of us. I know there's a common term for that in the psychedelic space, which is like this inner healing intelligence. And there's this understanding mm-hmm. that in a psychedelic journey, you know, you a guide is not necessarily there to heal you right it's the interaction that you have with a medicine and the safe space that you're in that can be created by a guide but really it's you and this medicine and the inner healing intelligence with inside you that's guiding this healing process and I think there's such an interesting comparison there between that concept specific to psychedelics and then to this larger concept that you're alluding to now this new paradigm really that you're speaking to of how we relate to our bodies, and our own capacity to heal. I think it's super empowering. Like you say, it's really amazing that more and more people are adopting this this paradigm. And so, yeah, I'm really curious to know if anything comes to mind for you in terms of what's shifted this to be more accepted now. Like you say, 10 years ago, it might not have been as widely accepted, but I'm curious if you can speak to some of the influences that you might have felt yourself or seen over the last you know, five years, let's say, since you've, the last little while since you've been doing this work, what are some of these um, currents that you've been seeing? What are some of these shifts that have been happening that have been allowing this to be more um, present in people's eyes or and this new paradigm to be more profuse? Can you speak to that at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a few things that come to mind that I'll presence. And one of them is that what's happening in the world I would very much, for lack of a better word, argue that this is you, we can find the literature on this evolution through the Vedic text. So, in the Vedic text, they actually talk about the Yuga cycles and what happens when, essentially, we the Earth gets closer to the center of our our galaxy or our universe where there's a huge electromagnetic field and that electromagnetic field you could argue is intelligence or, or information and anyways there's it's a long cycle and as we get closer and closer to that we start to ascend and understand what we are and that's very much what's happening in these this age is that mem- remember i met i mentioned like the thinking that consciousness emerges from the brain one of the biggest transitioning transition factors that we've made and that's really catching on is that we're energy so we've tr- we've shifted the global conscious understanding that oh I'm I'm this body this is what I am this is what people used to think now they understand oh what's what am I really I'm a vibrating particle of energy and that's not woo woo anymore it's very well known and accepted so the um, the almost parallel emergence not parallel because of course science can't measure everything but this the the woo woo that what seemed unrealistic now we have research to research and, and physics to account for it and this is blowing things wide open in regards to the the mysticism and then to bring in psychedelics what i've seen is this yeah this acceptance because of the research but this willingness and acceptance that psychedelics and the experiences they bring up are are beneficial which is really profound because Allopathic medicine focuses on dampening symptom, which seems like a good idea, but actually that's your body's intelligence speaking to you. Like what is pain? It means pay attention inside. Now your body is literally giving you the key as to how to resolve something. And I know that some people are listening and they have chronic illness and chronic issues and it's layer upon layer. And they're like, lion, you're this really healthy guy. It's easy for you to say that, but once those chronic issues have been addressed, the pain can be used as a relationship and a director. What I'm saying there is psychedelics emerging is giving people the opportunity to see the benefit of polarity. And the polarity says that good and bad are both teachers and the light and dark are, are not inherently good or bad. Rather, they're two sides of the same thing and they each have value. And that is where a lot of healing is going to occur. And that's what I see emerging is this this whole different view on what Healing is and the willingness to to step into oneself, to have a maybe an uncomfortable psychedelic experience, understanding the deeper truth of what we are, that we're here to actually navigate through this pendulum swing as opposed to trying to find a more pleasurable experience or escape what is difficult. I hope these these things are making sense that they're tying in, but this I'd say the biggest things are the energy aspect, people seeing a different way of what it means to heal through, you know, a psychedelic experience, which can be very confronting. And I mean, there's a ma- there's a list of different things I could say about what people are talking about now, which I, you know, I stumbled upon years ago about like what are we actually like? We're consciousness, like the the psychosomatic experience, the psychedelic experience, all these different things. I'm I'm enthralled to see are now becoming common topics of conversation, and and that's probably because of the internet. Now we can share information widely and openly, and it's very, I mean, it makes me laugh in, in, a, in a beautiful way. Cause I'm like, yeah, amazing. Like now we can talk about these things without being ostracized. And which again, like that has profound effects too, because the collective consciousness, it has an effect on all humankind and, and all of our reality.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. You spoke to so much there. I love that you brought up the internet. Cause that was one thing that kind of came to my mind when I was asking the question. And that's probably cause it's like a Fallback answer that I give in so many circumstances. I feel like I'm always coming back to the internet just because of how what a game changer technology it's been for us. And I feel like sometimes we take it for granted. But like you say, like 10 years ago, we weren't necessarily in the same place. We weren't as connected as a species without the internet. So it's it's really changed so much. And I think you're totally right. It it there, it's just allowed more people to have information. Right? It, it's it's another empowering technology that's allowed us to access empowering information so that's really incredible that you speak to that and also you mentioned this really you sneaked in this acronym in there that i had never heard before which was pay attention inside now which is so awesome i've never heard that before and i think that's a wonderful yeah thing to remember for people when it comes to pain and I think I also appreciate how you brought up, um, you know, the perspective of of other folks that might be out there that are experiencing maybe more debilitating forms of chronic pain, and things like this that might encounter this sort of paradigm and maybe be a bit more questioning about it because there's a lot more layers between them and it. But I think you've um, spoke to that in a in a generous way and and, and kind of given um, space to that. So I, I yeah I really appreciate you providing all those different layers of of the response to what was a pretty big question so thanks for that
1: Very welcome man one thing i'll briefly say on that is i'd like to it may be hard for some people to understand but everyone holds the truth so if someone's in a chronic ill state and they're like that's not true you know that holistic living isn't going to work for me that's true if i all the things that i say are true and this and i'm not meaning to make some like weird blank spiritual statement but i think it's important that we realize that what is objectively true is not so much so. We all have a different perspective, which is valid. And how we grow spiritually is we look at the other person and say, what you're experiencing is true and what I'm experiencing is true. And we're trying to figure out if we can receive and understand each other's realities and and agree on something that is outside of us that is true. So I think healing you know, since we're kind of on this topic is not so much me trying to shove my holistic view down someone's throat, but rather be like, this is an option for you if you so choose it. And if you don't, then I have no quarrels nor any sort of judgment against you. It's not my place to tell people how to live their lives. And I think that's, you know, kind of going off a little this is important to mention with psychedelics, with, with holistic health, with all these things, we don't want to get ourselves in a scenario where we become the thing that we're, we're trying to evolve past, which is trying to tell people what's right for them people mm-hmm. should be allowed to make choices for themselves, even if those choices maybe aren't best. And of course that's a slippery line, but I'm always of the the nature of, of autonomy and agency. You know, one of the slippery slopes we see in the world now is like being told we can't say certain things or read certain things. and I get where that comes from, but we need to give humanity, the ability to make informed decisions for itself so that we can mature and grow. It's just like a, it's like a child. At some point you have to let it make its own choice, even if it's not good for it. So i like to presence that, that people are allowed, should be allowed to have their journeys, even if it causes them pain and suffering. Like how else are we to learn?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up. And obviously there's a lot to go into there on that topic, <laughs> lots of historical and yeah, really even like present, situations and suppressions and pressure or tension and both political socioeconomic environmental like all these different aspects are weaving together and unfortunately that also ties into the the downside of the internet which also plays into a little bit there which leads to like some of the maybe you could say misinformation or disinformation that's out there these days it all it's a very complex (laughs) complex matter Mm -hmm. but i think you you speak to a to an important truth there, which is what you're saying. If I'm hearing you right, is that you know people we all are on our own journey, and we do need to come to certain realizations and truths by our, ourselves. And really, when we're we're going to speak more about embodiment through this episode, and I assume that embodiment has to come from those realizations. There's no way to really embody something without having gone through the process, come to those realizations on your own. So I think what you're speaking to. Although, you know, some people may find it controversial or whatever, it's like, it speaks to a really valuable truth, which is that we have to empower our own experience, right? And that reminds me, whenever I hear that, I think about Terrence McKenna. He was someone that I always looked up to in that regard, he, as and he was someone that always spoke to that, I think, really poignantly, which was just that, like, you kind of, in some instances, have to on the, at least, and that's, this is my case on my journey with psychedelics was like, I had to come to a point of like rejecting culture in some Mm -hmm. sense, right? Like culture itself is like this machine that brings people to certain conclusions. And it, like, it has us all in this cohesive, it brings us aboard this cohesive train, which is going in a certain direction, but it, it lacks nuance and it strips us of our individual sovereignty right and our individual experience And so maybe like maybe it's not that you have to choose one or the other but you just have to be mindful of both and like really prioritize again understanding your own experience would you say that that is kind of that the root of what, what you just shared there like the point that you're getting across
1: yeah really well said thank you michael for encompassing it in that and i love that i feel like we're sharing a mind space here because when you mentioned terence mckenna the first thing that came up for me was his piece or like I guess wording on culture and I think it's an and what you're saying it's like culture isn't there to serve the human it's no at this point it's really there to serve industry I would say uh, overall or it's overarching and that's what what is happening right now so we can't I mean you could you could just be like I'm not going to do that okay well then you're not going to be in the system at all Uh, So I see it as an and it's like, what does it mean for me to be an individual and to a degree, all of us going on our own journey and being in culture and seeing it grow and seeing it evolve, seeing culture as another entity, a human entity that is still in it's it's such young years of growing and evolving. Um, But yeah, exactly. Like culture may not be super serving to the individual at this time. But nonetheless, we can give it love. It's just like a, a little kid, like a two-year-old isn't being of service to anyone per se. You know, It's very egotistical. Right. But nonetheless, we nurture it, we care for it, and we are patient with it as it evolves and understands itself.
0: Hmm. Yeah, thanks for speaking to that. I think that's a whole rabbit hole we could go down if we wanted to. I'm going to bring <laughs> us back a little bit, that's and right. I'm going to ask you um, about psychedelics. I'm curious to know... What your relationship has been like with psychedelics over the years and if you'd be open to sharing with the audience where your journey with psychedelics started
1: absolutely i'd love to i've had a relationship with psychedelics for a long time it's been oh wow it almost not many years ago. i'm bad at math in my mind I, I experienced psychedelics when i was like 14 so 10 years would be 24. Yeah, almost 20 years of experience uh, and relationship. And and yeah, I got acquainted or met with psilocybin at a young age. And it really impacted me. I, I, I had no one teaching me what that really was or what that experience, what was going on. I just had the plant to show me various things. But it was very pivotal for me because at that time, I didn't feel like I fit in in school. I was very resistant to the system at a young age. And psychedelics gave hope because I believed that there was something more, but I couldn't see it or feel it. And I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart there was something more. And psychedelics really, especially psilocybin, showed me that, that there is time and space and experience beyond what was available to me. And, um, yes. So I, I will start there. I feel like I might be forgetting the rest, but very early on I had a relationship with psychedelics and ever since then it has guided me to deeper understanding with myself, deeper patience, many, many lessons that I've learned from having the opportunity to to work with with psychedelics from such a young age.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and it, is there a possibility that you could speak to maybe a particularly impactful or transformative ceremony experience you had? And when I ask this question, I'm always... I'm a little bit reluctant to ask because I know it's, first of all, I recognize myself, it's hard to, like the, the benefits of psychedelics compound in a way that it's like hard to remember distinctly like what benefit you got at what point in your life and as you just shared, you've been using psychedelics for almost, you know, 20 years now, so obviously there's been tons of experience you have and there's no way that you could delineate each each of the experiences and maybe find the top experience because all experiences are unique, but maybe mm. if you're open to it, is there one one experience that stands out or that you have particularly fond memories around that really had a big impact on you?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a few, I'll focus most on maybe the San Pedro story because I was deeply, profoundly impactful. And, but before getting there, there were, there were a few times on psilocybin when I was quite young, you know, 15, 16, 17, I was taking these like quite large doses. And I just remember one of the most profound experiences was a complete cessation of time and the comfort in that. I had no understanding of what time was anymore. And it felt as though there was like an unlimited amount of time in my, my awareness, although I didn't really know what it was at the time. Like you said, it compounds and you start to understand what was being shown to you later on. But I was getting these experiences of the comfort of what felt like an an eternal, extended presence, which just feels very comforting. It a lot like from those those psychedelic experiences, I felt comfortable about dying, even though I didn't really know what that was. But I felt like this sense of, I'm okay with experiencing elated amounts of time and not knowing where my body is or or even who who Brian is. So that was very impactful from from psilocybin. And then the Wachuma story, this is probably the most impactful ceremony I've had, like proper Wachuma San Pedro, which is a masculine-based psychedelic. It's a cactus. It's described as like a masculine plant. I was in the Sacred Valley of Peru when I was doing it. And that was after three ayahuasca ceremonies, which were, the two were, were pretty gentle. And the last one was really, really intense. It was kind of like 12 hours of being in it. And then this, so this Wachuma ceremony was during the day. And basically I like had this cup of Wachuma and it was kind of thick and gelatinous. I drank it, felt a little sick for a bit, threw up and then I laid down and then it felt like, I'm not sure how long this was. It could have been 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour. I was in this in between space where I knew that I was in that room, but I, I it just felt like my awareness was in the cosmos and I came back into my body. And as I came back into my body, I realized, oh yeah, I have this body. And my body felt, it's as though I could feel the current of energy moving through me. And then what was very present to me was my root chakra and my sacral. And I focused on that. And it's like this fire or this heat, or this sensation started to build where it felt like it was building, it was building, it was building. And then it felt like I had a, like an energy or a rocket or a pillar of light shoot through my whole body. And then I was sustained in the this very orgasmic, blissful state for like 20, 30 minutes felt like my whole body was frankly having an orgasm. It was quite profound. And as I started coming out of that, I felt like the shame come in almost like, oh, that was bad for me to feel that type of pleasure in this ceremonial state. And this is where the the most profound thing that happened to me came. It's like I had this conversation with the plan, like this instant download where it was like, don't feel ashamed about your masculinity and your sexuality. It's a gift. And it's important for you to be connected to this energy, to not be ashamed of it. So that was very profound for me, and it's affected my life and my work. And there' was many other experiences I had that day. I was talking to plants, and I spoke to my maestro without speaking to him. like he only spoke Spanish. So it really opened me up to the energetic realms and what was possible with the heart connection. but the that that i I will say like sexual experience with myself was really yeah, shifting. It, it it showed me something that was inside of my body that I didn't know was there.
0: Wow, that's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just insane. I love that you had that experience and that that I can clearly see now how that might have been a really p- pivotal moment in your journey, especially given what it, some of the things that you focus on now as part of your holistic embodiment. And we haven't really talked about a lot of those different things, yeah, and I hope to get into those. But one of those is pleasure and sexuality, right? That's a big aspect of the work that you do. So it sounds like that this experience was was maybe in some ways the origin of that work that you're doing. Like, were you focused on that a lot before? Was that part of any of the work that you did with clients, or maybe it was just work that you're doing with yourself? Could you speak to to that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. I wasn't really working with clients at that time. I'd always been a very curious sexual human. So for, for years, I was exploring various different things and polyamory. And I'd say that moment just, it was the beginning of a new journey of finding integrity within all the, the natural curiosity I had. I wasn't always in integrity, you know, I was exploring lots of different things and I was very open and very expressive, but I wasn't always in an integrity. And I think it was that fear, I was afraid to like, to truly understand what it meant for me to be in, in a masculine state and then also to be empowered and for lack of a better word, forthcoming of my sexual energy. And that moment, it it showed me that this is very important. It's actually one of the most, for, for, in my experience, it's one of the most important things in, in my life to be in integrity. And then how important it is for men to understand that and the, the lack of, of knowledge around it. So I guess I could say I was always very naturally curious and and explorative, and I had a natural proclivity to understand that there's no label, like I don't have a sexual label, and that's something that I've been able to teach others, like kind of the the matrix indoctrination of labels and how, yes, they have a place, but ultimately it's like everyone's a unique expression of sexuality, yada, yada. But this was a pivotal moment where the takeaway was really don't be afraid of this energy, and you got to work with this. Like you have a natural connection to it and it's important that you work with it and that i took that really really seriously i took it like like a fatherly figure being like hey like i want you to go about and do this work so i took it more seriously and took me a few years to figure that out and now i'm at the point where yeah it's interesting to more integrity with the work and and more ability to guide men to these places like self-mastery through pleasure let's say so mm. sorry for the kind of all over the place answer no. there, but that's, yeah.
0: Yeah, no worries. Thanks. Thanks for speaking to that. And yeah, it's first of all in incredible that a plant medicine can have that authority. And for anyone out there who's done psychedelics a few times or plant medicine a few times, they might be familiar with this, but I, and so they might even be jaded to that to some extent. But I think for those listeners that have never done a psychedelic or uh, those people out there that may be only just starting their journey, I think that can almost be such a foreign concept, but it's like so incredible to hear you speak to that and to have that sort of authority because it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of your experience, right? It was like this ethereal, almost like unlimited life force energy that you're connecting to, right? And it sounds to me almost like that was coming through in your experience as this authority figure in a sense, this father figure you said kind of giving you this advice. And so one thing that I feel like, Oftentimes, when people share their experiences with psychedelics, it can kind of feel like, in retrospect, you have this experience, you have this insight, and it's like, okay, yeah, now I like I figured that out. But obviously, I'm assuming that there was a pretty big integration process for you. Uh, I'm curious to just hear what your experience has been like when you receive that insight. You know, how long has it been for you to integrate that, and maybe you're still integrating that. Like, what does that process look like?
1: Still very much integrating. I'm so glad you brought this forward, Michael, because this is so important that we talk about this in the psychedelic space, that the integration could be whole life. And I think it will be for my whole life. And when I say that, I mean, you know, from that experience, I knew that I was, you know, here's this experience of life force energy that courses through your body. You know, don't be ashamed of yourself as a sexual human. It's not like I was a saint after that. Like I, I explored very many various things like to be very vulnerable i ended up i did do some work in, in standard industry porn i wanted to see what that was like i wanted to express myself in that way i had an only fans where i didn't i was like somewhat educating somewhat just doing regular only stuff like there was a lot of up and down waves and i say that openly and transparently because i want people to see that one we all go down a journey where it's it's not always light you know we all make we all have find our rocky paths. It doesn't take away from the ability for someone to make profound impact and to, to do great work. and I'm I'm not a saint. I've just you know learned how to, yeah like what is right and what is wrong when the when I get off the path and and things start getting more difficult for me, I'm like, okay, this is not of integrity. So I would say I'm still very much integrating and I've learned what I've learned from these because I did that in 2019, so twenty one, 2022, so about three years. But I've learned like what it really working with eroticism, what that means, and for me, that's showing men how to connect to their body, what life force energy is, what a life is like to be mastered in yourself while having a very conscious and intentional relationship with pleasure, and what I see now for for that, like as I integrate, is is getting more men to understand that you know, self pleasuring isn't just this means of of getting yourself to ejaculate; it's actually part of being the highest and most integral man you can be because it's it's working with the primordial energy that's within us and and men are supposed to protect you know we're supposed to protect children and and the feminine energy and the earth itself so yeah short answer still integrating still learning what i can do with that and how to do it in the best way and it's a wavy path i'd say when you have such profound experiences like i'd love to say that i did that and i became this like Sexual kung fu sage and like yeah everything was aligned. Nah, not at all, man. Always, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going back to ceremony now. Only after three years because I feel like now I've gotten to the point where I really, to a certain level, have embodied that level of integrity that was given by the plant.
0: Wow, thank you so much for speaking to your integration process, and it kind of relates well and segues to the next question that I had for you, which was focused around the power of play and joy in your and pleasure in your practice and like what that means for you and as a aspect of holistic living and maybe before like I would love to hear a little bit more specifically maybe even like how you work with clients like you spoke to a little bit you spoke to it a little bit right there but maybe even before that I'm just curious to hear your perspective on pleasure in particular in ceremony because I think your experience speaks really well to I think a A wider, I want to say issue, I don't know if that's the best word, but it speaks to this wider phenomenon in, like, psychedelic ceremony, which I noticed, which is that, like, pleasure is oftentimes kind of sectioned off, in a sense, from ceremony. Like, I think it's not necessarily always a case that you'll find that, like, pleasure and laughter and joy, especially, like, pleasure are things that are, like, valued in a ceremony experience. It's almost like there have been experiences where facilitators will kind of keep that contained right and i mm-hmm. even witnessed that in myself as a facilitator like there's obviously some instances where you do need to be very mindful about how you work with those things especially in group contexts there is mindfulness that you need to bring to how people express pleasure in the ceremony but all in all especially as i see the clinical pathway developing and how i'm just thinking to like how most people might one day access psychedelics depending on how things go it could be through the clinical pathway and that to me, my understanding, Health Canada, just as a specific example, my understanding is that they've mandated that, and and their suggestions that they've put out for psychedelic assisted therapy indicate that, you know, for example, like a facilitator should only ever like hold hands with a, a participant in a study and like t- physical touch, as an example, should never go beyond just hand holding. But I know personally from my own experience of ceremony that physical touch has and therapeutic touch has been such a powerful aspect. And there's been some journeys that I've even had where I've been tapping into my own pleasure and like, you know, expanding those boundaries has been really powerful for me. And so, yeah, I I guess speaking from that experience and, and whatnot, I'm just curious to hear like, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like how can we proactively and how can we ethically incorporate pleasure into ceremony and, and maybe you can even speak to what you've seen and in, in your experience with ceremonies
1: yes thank you michael's brilliant question there's a lot of depth we can go in here so I'll, I'll presence a few things maybe we can have a dialogue a little bit i think what's important when it comes to well pleasure let's talk about pleasure and ceremony we have to have an understanding of what that is in order to utilize it in its innocence And I say innocence very specifically. Pleasure is innocent. When someone's in pleasure, my definition is that is an innocent expression. And we have layered a lot of other definitions onto pleasure, that it means this about the person or it means that about the person. And of course, monotheism has given us this collective thought pattern that, oh my goodness, someone's in pleasure and it means that this, this, and this. And if I touch them or if I'm involved, it means X, Y, and Z. And then that I believe that that programming from you know, passed down from years and years, like imagine a few generations before you could be killed for pleasure or expression of pleasure or any sort of sexual expression. So that that's ingrained in us. So I myself have experienced that, well, if this person's in pleasure. What are these other people going to think if I involve myself in a holding space or you know an innocent way? And I think that's what blocks us you know, what are other people going to think? I don't want to be seen as a sexually aggressive or like manipulative person. So we just, we don't go towards it. And that's why I do the work I'm doing. It's My concept is, you know, similar to anger. You can't, you're going to become a slave to anger unless you have a relationship with it. So I think that the definitions are important. Language is the the most powerful thing we use as humans. It defines the confines of our reality and so if we're defining pleasure as this innocent thing and someone in ceremonies having a pleasurable experience, like I myself, I feel very comfortable holding that space or even encouraging and be like, yeah, like enjoy that, like feel into that. And knowing that my place in that is really just to witness and to celebrate. It's like a child enjoying a toy. It's like, yeah, yeah, have fun over there, buddy. That's great. It, that's all it is. And anything we can put on top of that, I would say, you know, of course, there's many different layers, like. How do we touch them? How do we encourage? But I think that's really the starting point, and we really have to start slow from there, and, and and you know reintegrate ourselves and address our traumas around pleasure and sex and what it means for us to do that kind of stuff, and establish safety because been so many humans have been uh, abused in that context. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, really just coming back to this again, I, I think the innocence piece. And the play piece and seeing it as innocent as playing with a toy or a child and a child enjoying themselves, I think that's really key to this process of allowing pleasure to come into ceremony and psychedelics and also in group setting if someone's having a pleasurable experience. like That frame is really important.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for speaking to that. I think that's a great language to use. Um, and I feel like just hearing that, it, it reminds me of what i feel like i'm witnessing in the psychedelic space which is like not only are we destigmatizing psychedelics but we're almost destigmatizing pleasure at the same time mm-hmm. and like psychedelic ceremony is like this new outlet that can allow us to do that it's like a really interesting it's a it's a container that we create that's quite powerful obviously with psychedelic medicines they do <clears throat> allow us to express these aspects of ourselves that might not normally be there and so what i hear you saying is that there's an essential it's obviously a multi-layered process, and it's, it's a it's a complex conversation to some extent, but it can also be simple. What you're saying is it can be simple. This is just an innocent expression, and as long as there's safety that we create in the, in these containers, then that safety can allow these people to express that more fully, and that we should really try to um, reduce some of the, st- the stigma, it feels like, that we almost have around around sex and around pleasure because i feel like pleasure doesn't obviously have to be sexual mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of what, what i heard is one of the main things that you spoke to there is like the, i think the common uh, denominator for a lot of people is that if i'm experiencing pleasure or i whether it's through myself or maybe even like witnessing pleasure in another person like there's this interaction that starts to happen and it it almost implicitly becomes has It feels like it has to be sexual, but like it doesn't have to be. What, is, that, is that what you're saying?
1: Very much so. And this is a really, yeah, this is a great thing to talk about as well, because a lot of my work, I will be working with men in the nude and it's not sexual. And this is one of the things that we need to talk about more or what I would say we need to talk about more as a human race is pleasure, nudity, expression of pleasure, being around each other naked is not implicitly sexual. It doesn't need to be implicitly sexual, like it's kind of like you know you look at a child. If a child is naked and they're in pleasure or they're exploring their body, is that sexual? They don't even know what sex is. It's not necessarily sexual. And then also it broadens. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come back before I dive too deep into that. I I think pleasure in these states are very innocent, and I think being nude is innocent but there's a collective shame around it and we tie these things together it's similar to how men tie sex to intimacy the two things are are separate and of course you can have very intimate sex and you obviously need to be naked to have sex and you're actually having pleasure when you have sex but doesn't mean those two things go hand in hand and why like what's the point of all this like why even care because being in pleasure is vibrationally very good for your body and your organs people who are in pleasure are healthy we're healthy when we're in pleasure. It feels good. Like, if you don't believe me, like laugh a little bit and, you know, like touch your genitals and you'll see it feels good. <laughs> so that's that's what I care about. And coming back to holistic health, I, I think it's important, just as important as drinking water, going for a run is that we experience pleasure in our lives and that we do so in a way that feels as though it's of our highest, that we don't separate spirituality from being in pleasure. So that's really what I'm really getting at with this whole pleasure concept. It's not just about satisfying the flesh. It's also about experiencing what we are in our totality. Any time I've had a profound psychedelic experience, there's been immense pleasure, uh, profound pleasure. Uh, with ayahuasca with Wachuma, there's always been these like deep, profound states of pleasure for me. So I think there's a link there as well about our higher self or higher vibration that like when we we move to those states, there's pleasure. So I hope that encompasses it, but it's yeah, it's like not always associating sexual intercourse, with these states of pleasure, these states of expression. And yeah, we don't have to even go there per se. It can, it can be removed. It doesn't need to be sexual. It can, and that's something that like, it's gonna take time for that to emerge, but I see that happening more and more that possibility.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, before maybe shifting to another aspect of your holistic um, embodiment practice, because there's obviously lots of aspects and mm-hmm. we're, we've been kind of focusing on the pleasure here, which is great. I maybe want to ask you one more question on that and then i'd love to maybe shift things to movement because i know that's another big part of your life and a big part of um this holistic approach to healing um but sticking one one last time on the the pleasure piece i'm just curious to know specific to like psychedelic ceremonies um would you be open to speaking to you know how you approach creating that safety maybe like in your own practice i know that you know you're there's a lot of different ceremonies that you facilitate. I, my, my understanding and from my understanding, including breathwork, I know that's a big, big part of the work that you do. Even in breathwork, there's a big component around pleasure and release and expression. Like all these things come into play with breathwork. So could you speak to like, practically speaking, like how do you cultivate a ceremonial space where pleasure is invited or where it feels safe to access that?
1: Absolutely. So I've done a lot of, Plant medicine, haven't really stepped into hosting plant medicine ceremonies. Although I'm when I lead this embodiment, breathwork, plant medicine retreat in Peru that's coming up, that'll be kind of my first experience. I'd say angeling, because I'm not going to be leading it. A little diversion. But with regards to yeah, breathwork ceremonies, I have a lot of experience. And I think it comes from a, a couple of things. I think the person who's holding space has to have a level and degree of embodied integrity like they understand their own depths of pleasure similar to psychedelics like the shaman has dove so deep into the world of psychedelics that they know that they they know that place very very well and that's how they can guide same thing with breathwork A, a good breathwork practitioner has gone to the depths and i've gone to those depths so that when I myself feel comfortable with it. And I know that's what I've heard from clients. Like, I just feel okay to express myself around you because of the way that you are. So that's one, your own vibrational container that you create. And then I always just let people know like how you express yourself, whether it's pain or pleasure is accepted here. This is a place for you to allow yourself to be expressed. And of course I'm like, you know, like if, someone right beside you and you're smacking the floor, like try to be a little mindful. but it's a lot letting people know that this is a place for you to express yourself and how you show up. and and then when I'm holding space for those types of things, like I've had clients where it's one on one or even a group setting where there is that like maybe, ah, like those things coming through. it's just with a kind of like I look at them like a child. I'm like, good for you, fantastic. I'm really happy to see. That you're having your own experience. I don't treat it any way different than if someone's going through something hard, you know, we're willing to go up to them and hold space for them. It's the same thing with pleasure. I'm like, you're just having a pleasurable experience. I hold my own and I see them in this loving light, like fantastic. This is so great that you're having, that this is coming through you, that you're having this moment of expression with yourself. So those are the things I can say, but I think it really is important that the individual, and this is why I teach this, so men can be more like this, is that they are able to hold that within themselves and they don't get lost because there is that, you know, someone's in pleasure, you might like feed into that energy. And it's important to not feed into that energy, especially I think as a man facilitator is to know the lines and the energetic barriers and boundaries, like that's not mine, but I can hold space for that. I can be happy for it, but I'm not getting myself involved kind of going off a little bit on a different topic there, but just wanted to mention that because I think it's really important.
0: Yeah, it's super important. Thank you so much for speaking to it. Those are some really clear, practical ways to create safety and ceremony. And yeah, appreciate you sharing those. So as I mentioned, love to shift topics just a little bit because we've got lots of things to cover. I'd love to shift to focus around movement now. And I'd love maybe first for you to share a little bit about your journey with movement. I know you have a particularly passionate relationship to how bodies move in particular the the ways that you've connected to your own body through different movement practices one of those being movement flow which is a really unique movement practice that you've been an integral part of and that's something that's guided a lot of the work that you do and so I'd love you to speak to maybe that just a little bit maybe share with people what even is movement flow for those people that don't know and then we can maybe shift into you know how for you do movement and psychedelics kind of intersect together
1: Hmm. I'd love to chat about it. And yeah, movement was, I would say, probably like my first passion. I I got really enthralled with the idea of doing handstands at a young age, nineteen or eighteen. I really wanted to do functional stuff with my body. Actually, I'll go back a little further. At sixteen, a good friend of mine in high school, he started working out. I started noticing changes in his body, and. Thought to myself, man, like I want to see some changes in my body. So started going down that weightlifting path. But very early on, I wanted to do I wanted to do cool stuff with my body. I wanted to express my body and and more than just weightlifting. So started exploring handstands. And one of my friends at that time, around 18, 19, sent me a video of this guy named Ido Portal. And my mind was absolutely blown. Like I knew right there in the moment, I was like, that like I want to be able to do that and achieve that. Maybe I think like a few days afterwards, I went outside. I tried flowing around, and it was just a mess. But it it sparked something in me. I was very fascinated by like all these different ways the human body could move. So I just went on a solo journey because at the time I was a poor student. So while I was doing my education for respiratory therapy, I any free time I had, I was training and learning how to move, watching videos over and over again, like just learning different skills, practicing yoga, uh, anything I get my hands on, and then. I met Slava Gulabov around 2016, 2017 and kind of just followed him around and got involved as much as his stuff as I could for three years. And then he created movement flow around 2019 and I was in the first training and it was just really bought by his side for many years. And that, that system is really cool. It combines ex, not ecstatic dance, <laughs> contemporary dance, contemporary dance, uh, soft Africa badics, like a bit of hand balancing. And it basically brings these different styles of movement together. And there's, 30 set movements in the level one system and you get to learn these movements and learn how to combine them to create these like very expressive and seamless flows so it's a very modern approach to generalist movement and it's brilliant because you know it usually satisfies all the things that people want you're getting stronger you're getting more mobile you get to express yourself and that's what i really enjoyed about it i enjoyed that i got to be expressive i got to treat my body i could create community with these aspects of myself and in a world where we're very stationary it's it's it's, true medicine to be able to move your body in these ways. So I've kind of, I haven't kind of totally made more of a shift to breath work and eroticism. I've been focusing on that in my life, but those, that pillar that I created through those years from, you know, basically like 17 till 27, 28, I still practice not as much as I used to, but that foundation that was laid has, it's so potent and powerful. Like I can, I have these, these skills now that I can rely on and this ability to access my body that I can rely on that has been really 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 amazing and it's led to the proliferation of wanting to understand more like out of that i was like okay like why do i have these emotions when i move like why am i thinking these ways when i move and that really got me into more of the the embodiment practices like what's coming up as i move and all these types of things yeah so it's a bit of the journey there
0: yeah thank you so much for speaking to that it's definitely a very interesting uh, system that's been developed in movement flow i hope people get the chance to check it out if they haven't heard of it before because uh, you kind of got to like see it, I feel like to understand it. Like when you yeah. when you explain it like that, if you've never like really seen it, you won't really understand. But when you see it, you'll you'll totally understand what what Brian's speaking to. And so yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is there, that was a there was a, f- a few years there where you're really focusing on your physical pillar as you call it. Yeah. And and now even though you're not necessarily focusing on that as much, it's you built such a foundation there that you can kind of fall back to these really skilled movements. That you've developed, and just these ways of approaching your body that can really serve you, and helping to maybe focus on these other pillars that you'll maybe tell us about in a little bit. So that sounds wonderful. Sounds like movement's been a big part of your life, and continues to be in in some regards. And so yeah, I'm curious to know how how that practice with movement might have influenced your work with psychedelics, or maybe even conceptually, if you want to go there. Like, how do you see movement and psychedelics? intersecting? I know it's kind of a general question, but I'm curious just what comes to mind at first for you when you hear that.
1: Absolutely. That's great. Thanks for bringing that up again. I totally slipped my mind. Well, what first comes to mind is similar to psychedelics. I've, I've been microdosing for a long time. Uh, I, I feel very fortunate in that when I was in high school, uh, a friend of mine I was I was like oh I don't want to do another mushroom trip it's like it's uh, we were talking about mushrooms I was like I don't want to do another one for a couple of months like it's really intense and my friend told me she's like oh you should just take like a tiny amount you can take a tiny amount and I was like oh like why would I do that she's like it's it's microdosing it so around like 18 or so 19 I started microdosing and I found that for me I really enjoy moving and microdosing at the same time and and getting into stretching and mobility similar to doing anything while microdosing my mind expanded to the point where I started to see and feel myself in a whole different state. So normal thought patterns that I would have during mobility or movement, which can sometimes be self-deprecating. Oh, why can't I do this yet? Or God, instead they would take this like very curious nature of like, well, that just felt interesting. Or I would feel a different access point to a movement or a different part of my body And I can only describe it as being much more deeply in the flow. There's almost like no word to it. Like that moment in time where I'm, where I'm getting into that practice very, very deeply into it. So it made it very, very enjoyable. And it allowed me to, maybe this comes from like meditation practice, but I have, I've always had this ability when I move, when I'm microdosing and enjoying some psychedelics is I can, I can go into that highest observer seat and witness my narration of what's happening and the feelings that are occurring in my body. And I found that to be really special. It's hard to do that when I'm not on psychedelics. It's like almost like I can view it like it's a movie, but also I'm doing it at the same time. I think that's really beneficial. I think out, being in altered states of consciousness when you're like, let's talk about movement, but any craft, but for movement, I think can really expand you in ways that you wouldn't anticipate because you're looking at it from a whole new, new vantage point. And For me, that's changed the way that I like feel into my body or how I'm able to express certain movements or for me to break past barriers that I didn't think were possible, limiting beliefs just through moving and being in a bit of the psychedelic space. So that's kind of what I can say about it. It's it's been very expansive and enjoyable and almost gave me this this whole new way of relating to the movement practice.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, it sounds like what you're speaking to is there's been this, Overlap specifically with microdosing and movement, and microdosing be able to kind of help put you in a flow state. So kind of flow state maybe being that that intersecting piece for you, which is really interesting. And obviously, flow state has so many therapeutic benefits and is something that can be beneficial and in, in so many different areas, not just movement. But obviously, with your background in movement, it makes sense that you would kind of combine those two things together. And it's really cool to hear that you found some overlap there and found psych- that psychedelics can help you. I'm curious, is there, when you when you mentioned experimenting with psychedelics and having, you know, performance in a sense improve and flow state improve, could you speak to any of the settings that contribute to that, like if someone was to go out there and try this themselves, like do you have any recommendations? Like is there a certain type, I'm going to assume that you're talking about psilocybin, but maybe uh, LSD is more of your thing. Um, could you speak to specifically, like, what are the medicines that you feel like contribute to better flow state and any anything else specific in terms of conditions that can really foster that?
1: Absolutely. I can speak to that. I'll just always, I'll preface by saying, you know, definitely my experience and, you know, experiment at your own risk. <laughs> but yeah, so what I was speaking mostly about is still psilocybin microdosing. I find I've enjoyed for strength training, for mobility training, for movement training, and also lsd microdosing and lsd is interesting for me i find i can actually get it kind of get distracted but if i am in a process so i'm moving around and i'm in it i can get so concentrated like but in a fun way where it's i just feel totally in the body so those are worth exploring i would say for more like stretching though and like if you want to get deep into your body not so much like vigorous movement. I would like my explorations have been with cannabis and ketamine. Interestingly enough, like microdosing those, maybe just a regular amount of cannabis too, but sometimes a a subtle amount of cannabis can presence the breath and the, it can go both ways because it's biphasic. I've had some experiences with cannabis where it's very enjoyable. And sometimes it's like, whoa, I feel a little bit too much right now. And then with a small amount of ketamine, I've been able to also just feel into my body in a different way. And it's almost like I don't know how to frame it other any other way than being able to literally experience your body in a way that you haven't experienced, which for me has been very, very profound because it allows you to step outside of this like structure, this mental construct you've created of yourself. If someone can bring themselves there to understand, because sometimes people are like, well, my body's like this and how could it change? But you have a, a, an idea of what that is. And if you can step outside of that idea, that can be paradigm shifting.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Thanks for speaking to some of those specifics. I think people are sometimes curious about how to incorporate those sort of practices. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear about the cannabis and ketamine. I've never yet combined the two of them. I have a pretty interesting relationship with cannabis in that I smoked a lot of it when I was younger, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: developed a pretty strong relationship with it, but then it kind of like, then I kind of stepped away from it for various reasons. And so, yeah, for me, that one's very, I think the word you use was biphasic. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, it definitely goes both ways. I was really surprised, actually. The other day, I kind of revisited cannabis as a medicine. And usually, cannabis makes my thoughts go super fast. And I'll kind of just be having all these downloads. And I just feel almost overwhelmed by all these um, thoughts that I have. But the other day, I tried cannabis. And I don't know if it was the setting I was in. I was having a bath. But it just, like, completely quieted my mind. And it was beautiful. And I haven't had that experience in so long with cannabis. So I'm definitely... It's piqued my interest again to maybe start exploring that medicine more, and ketamine, combining the two. I'm I'm I've heard from some people too that they really enjoy that process, so uh, I'll have to try it out myself.
1: That's an interesting combo. I would say I've done both. I've done a little bit of cannabis and ketamine combination, or just ketamine, but I yeah, it can be very potent for anyone who's listening. Be careful with the combination, mm-hmm. and also I find it's not always repeatable. Sometimes I have uh, like a little bit of ketamine, and then I have a bit of cannabis, and it's like, okay, this is the experience I was expecting. Other times, it's a similar amount, and I'm like, whoa, I'm way off, kind of in this like almost dipping into the K-hole experience. So, you know, set yourself up in a set in a safe space. But the 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 experience of ketamine, like how it kind of gives you this like out of body, somewhat dissociative experience, for me, has been very helpful for my body which it's nice to have that experience of not being in the body, but being in the body, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for speaking to that, Brian. So I want to shift us again. I want to talk a little bit more now about, we've talked quite a bit about your past and the different threads of these different modalities that have brought you to the work that you're doing. And I'd love to speak now to, I'd love you to speak now to a little bit of what you're currently working on. And you know, what is alive for you these days, um, especially. So I'd love to hear, first of all, you know, if you could share a little bit more with the audience what the Human Potential Academy is. I know this is an organization that you've started, co-founded in the last couple of years that's doing a lot of amazing work. I'd love it if you could share with our audience what that is and maybe what are your goals in creating the Human Potential Academy.
1: Absolutely. So Human Potential Academy is a first and foremost, a coaching academy. But what I really see it as is is it's a platform for the elevation of consciousness and human potential. It was founded by myself, Matthew Finland, and Selena. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting last name. I'm sorry, Selena. (laughs) She's an amazing woman. But nonetheless, we all had this dream and this vision of co-creation, heart-centered business. And That's really what the business is about. Uh, But our mission statement is like bridging the worlds of science and spirituality and, and teaching through the lens of the five pillars of human potential. So we believe that all humans stand on these pillars, which is their physical body, their mental body, their emotional body, their spiritual self or practice or body, and then their financial pillar, their financial aspect of themselves, the recognition of what we perceive as valuable in that energetic exchange that is occurring through humans. And yeah, so what we've we've created right now is we coach, we do some high ticket coaching for adults and we created a youth program. So actually, maybe let me bring it back. So Human Potential Academy has created this concept called the ARC, which is Academy Retreats and Clinics. Academy is our, our coaching for adults and youth academy. The intention with the youth academy, which is something I'm super stoked about is really teaching kids how to uh, use the executive functions of their brain how to be leaders and not followers how to learn to make like how do they learn how do they actually navigate this world so that's something we're very passionate about is you know teaching that next generation how to live into those five pillars of human potential like a holistic approach to living and then with retreats and events we do run these like holistic immersive events like hika that uh, we have coming up in november and then my one of my biggest visions is to create and solidify partnerships with retreat locations around the world with the intention of those retreats not just being like let me get away from my life and vacate myself but let me get together with a bunch of other humans who also are driven to make impact with their lives and their work and potentiate each other through those experiences so the vision with that is like I'll have a bunch of partnerships all over the world and those who are involved with what they're doing or, or whoever wants to be involved like these are like hot spots for impact and in and healing and, and nurturing and nervous system reset. And then see the like clinics and community. We're actually right now in the works of making an online clinic where it'll be like health optimization to begin, but then eventually I think hopefully proper healthcare. But it's really like an integrated holistic approach to health. So less focused on symptomatic treatment, more focused on a holistic approach to to healing preventative healthcare and empowering the human to understand their own healing ability. And then the the clinic slash culture, the culture aspect is uh, weaving together business, you know, even like yourself, like the flying is like, how do we find or how do we connect with each other and synergize each other? Because we are obviously, in some degree, after something similar, we're all trying to expand consciousness to a degree, we're all trying to work together more. So that get culture aspect is creating a large enough platform that where it's not just HPA that wins, it's like, we all collectively rise. That's a huge, huge part of what we're doing. So I think that's it in summation but really like the, the the point that i see of it is ushering in and like bridging in this like for lack of a better word word new age like a new age with more heart-centered business and more focus on the quality of human experience versus the the material that are created through our experience so emphasizing like if we're enjoying our experience and we're treating each other well that's more important than the commodities and the materials that we create which is you know, definitely something I think we face right now that material and profit is above the human experience and that's something that I'd like to work at like with the vision of this work is, is that's a big thing that I, I lean towards is that that future
0: thank you so much for speaking to that I am really curious to know like what does a day in the life look like for you right now with human potential academy could you share you mentioned a bunch of things there and I assume you're not focusing on all those things at once, but you're starting mm. at certain places. So what does your journey look like with Human Intentional Academy right now? And like you also mentioned an offering for kids, which I would love to hear more about too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So right now it, it's it's very much like startup cowboy mode. I've it's very like we, we spent the first year like okay, these great ideas, like da, da da da. Okay, we can't do all these things at once. So now, really, what we're focusing on as individuals is like myself, Matt, and Selena. We're working on scaling ourselves as individuals. So we're going through a bit of that process, creating some of our own programs, whilst also coaching our our flagship offering, which is Courage. It's like a psychological resilience and goal achievement process. it's one of our main focuses right now because. In the future, we plan to have what's called like the HPA archives. It'll be a like an evergreen model where you can access various programs from all different types of coaches, which is, will be kind of like a holistic educational platform. So that's it, a day in the life right now is like we have three meetings a week, one day a week where we're all together doing time like doing work together, and a lot of it is like right now we're yeah going in that phase of okay how do we potentiate this how do we scale how do we learn to do this process and then all the other time is honestly just bringing is sharing the vision and I don't know how to say this other than it's been magical but a lot of the day in the life right now is we're having people come to us and be like I really believe in what you're doing how can I be a part of it how can I help or even more crazy stuff like right now we're in a situation where there's this There's some individuals out in Nicaragua. They have all this land. They're like, if you can bring events here, we're willing to give you, like, own the land. There's another woman who's like, hey, I want to build stuff. So right now, the day in the life is is, is taking in these, like, seemingly synchronistic, aligned, magical people who want to be a part of this and then really filing down, like, what are the most important things we need to do right now? And I, I think one of the most important things is learning how to feed into that financial pillar, which is, like, how do we scale and how do we create bulletproof system so that more, when more and more people come into this vision because people want it that we're able to tolerate that and we're able to actually like have a foundation for them so i don't know if that's like that direct answer that you're looking for but that's kind of the best yeah. i could give you no i'd and say the, that's pretty direct yeah <laughs> and then the youth program man the youth program is my heart explodes matthew You know, maybe one day you can get him on the podcast. He could speak about it in more depth. But Matthew's very passionate about teaching children and youth. And one of the things he's super passionate about, as I mentioned, is not teaching kids how to be kind of cogs in the wheel or employees but teaching kids how to learn and how their body works how they work as a human being so this program is called uh, the executive edge it's a it's a double entendre teaching them how to be executives in their own life and teaching them how to use the executive functions of their brain because those are the higher functions that's planning forward thought yeah how to prepare yourself and and getting them to understand like, what is your brain? What is your biology? Why do you have emotions? What happens when you're triggered? How do you deal with those things? So teaching them interpersonal skills, how to manage time, um, and really just giving them, it's kind of like a little bit of the red pill and Matrix. It's like, this is what your brain is. This is what your nervous system is. And right now the the program is for, I think, 10 to 13 year olds is the ages we're working with. We want to work with younger as well. But that's the intention is really giving kids the tools to understand like you're actually more than your body. These are some things we know about neuroscience in your brain. This is how you can have better relationship skills. And these are some ways you can make choices for yourself and how to regulate yourself as you navigate through the the waves of life.
0: Beautiful. Thanks so much for speaking. That. It's really incredible to hear that you're focusing on youth as well. It seems like a very, Wide range and dynamic programs that you're like have your sites on and are even currently working on, so that's really cool that you're spread out across these different age groups and different domains, different pillars. you've definitely got your work cut out for you
1: so much, man yeah, it's gonna be my life's work that's for sure I'm in it in that way I'm like I finally I feel like I finally found the thing I'm like yes, this is like the ship in which I can the vehicle in which I can bring this stuff forward <laughs>
0: amazing amazing <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for speaking to that is there a call to action for folks that want to get involved. Do you have any upcoming offerings you want to share, or, or just yeah, a way, like where people should go to check out Human Potential Academy?
1: Definitely, and thank you for the invitation for the the plug. There's a, there's definitely a few ways that we have free community calls on Mondays at six p.m. And right now, those are evolving to a mastermind where basically we're going to have a theme and people who have questions or problems in those theme. We have a really amazing safe and nourishing group of people who come and we've been able to like very much open ourselves up to each other so that's what that community calls about we also have another one coming in the midweek that we're collaborating with a a gentleman named logan quinn where that's going to be more of him bringing on experts and then people get to kind of watch almost a podcast episode and after do some q a so free community calls on mondays and i think the next one will be thursday we do have an event in Vancouver coming up called HECA. It's on November 4th, but I realize it's like the same weekend as the psychedelic conference. So it'll probably be a decent amount of people there <laughs> at the psychedelic conference. But that is coming up if there are people listening in Vancouver. And the main thing that I really want to plug is, is that our program and our retreat, the Courage program is is really for wellness or like more spiritually inclined entrepreneurs who are wanting to understand a process to bring their clients through proper, goal achievement and so that they're whatever process they're putting their their clients through teaching them how to be resilient and actually take meaningful steps forward through the trial and error process that's what we teach with courage and it's a it's, it's quite an amazing program and then the retreat that i have coming up in peru which is that embodiment plant medicine breathwork retreat march 1st to 9th very 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 excited about that and also looking for more more wellness inclined or or even just people who just want to make deeper impact in their work and their life and who want to experience plant medicine in a really safe, nurturing way.
0: Beautiful. Those are all amazing offerings. Thank you so much for sharing them. When do you leave for Peru?
1: I have a bit of a journey. I'm actually going to Mexico first. So I'm leaving November 18th. I'll be there for two and a half months. And then I'm going to be in Peru all February and most part of me of March. So yeah, going there a little bit early so I can connect with my medicine family and get landed and do some ceremonies on my own. Cause I won't be I won't be diving deep on my own or like in the medicine when I'm doing the retreat. I'm gonna right. angel and hold space, but I, I will do some ceremonies prior to
0: Okay, amazing. That sounds like that's gonna be quite a journey for you. I'm excited to hopefully follow along. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have one more question for you as we're coming to wrap up here. As a holistic embodiment coach, how do you envision the future of holistic living and the role of psychedelics in supporting this vision?
1: Yes. And okay, so let's see here. There's so many things that come into my mind. I I see a fusion and a hybrid. Technology is important, our modern technology. And with that, we have to... don't have to but we would do very well to understand that there is already a technology that is around us every single day and it's been here for billions of years and it's our earth and it's nature and that technology has eons and eons of wisdom upon anything that we've ever created don't get me wrong like computers can compute things very very well and there's a massive exponential growth with the formation of you know solutions and knowledge that derive from that technology but in, I think a bridging of those worlds is important. And how that ties into holistic living is that we have developed our body, this avatar. You know, if you want to believe that the soul is in housed in this body, it's 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 evolved to work with the earth and its rhythms and its seasons and the exposure to it. So I think that's an essential pillar. We can't remove ourselves from the earth if we want to live a holistic life and then the the hybrid the merging of technology can proliferate that it can actually synergize it so long as we use nature as the as the measure not technology as the measure and then when it comes to humans getting involved with each other i believe one of the ways of holistic living will be this again like this fusion of what does it mean for us to live more naturally and what does it mean for us to be of service to each other and what does it mean for The greatest thing that we can do with ourselves is improve our quality of experience for each other with our inherent gift and with our life force energy so this what i see for the future is that people understand that their life force is a set of currency it is a way of offering value and i'm not saying that we eliminate money but i am saying that with a certain with a deeper understanding of of your energy and who you are as a being you will you will know how to bring forward that currency and that value through yourself and your expression and who you are. And I, ho- I see a future where we value ourselves so much and what we do in our connection to life that we're able to see something beyond just the material possession that we we hold or the uh, seemingly kind of like hollow hierarchy that we create based on just like material existence or, or clout. And that that can be reestablished through uh, our merit and our character and our true skill as humans uh, and that you know open discussion is available because of those things that we're willing to not agree but we're willing to all agree that the most important thing is is the quality of life that we create for ourselves and for the earth through our our connection to it our connection to our rhythm um, and the let's say ethical integration of modern technology so long answer but that's what I foresee. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's a beautiful long answer. I really appreciate the the vision that you have for the world and for the future. Very grateful to witness you actively creating that and excited to collaborate on this path uh, together. I see a lot of similarities in, in what you're wanting to create and, and what I'd also love to try and contribute and love what you're sh- sharing about the value and currency that we can create with our energy. I think that's a really beautiful concept and something that we can. I think we're definitely going to start seeing more of as time goes on so yeah it's a beautiful vision that you paint lion i really appreciate you sharing that
1: thank you brother i just want to also say i i witnessing your journey michael's been so inspirational for me i i know at the beginning you mentioned you know like that i've inspired you in some ways or but you've really inspired me your dedication what you've grown with the flying sage like you're making huge waves and you know for anyone who's listening if you're been here for a long time or you're new like I believe you're the real deal with growing community and psychedelics around Vancouver. And I'm just, I'm honored that I get to be a part of your story and that we, you know, we get to see each other eye to eye in this journey of really creating a better human experience for people through these various vehicles and just a lot of respect, a lot of love for you, man, really, really very much.
0: Thank you so much for speaking to that. Yeah. Thank you. It it is truly a gift to be able to work in these spaces together. And I'm really excited for, for what's to come.
1: Amazing, man. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Lion. I hope that this is just the first of of many more to come.
1: Yeah, me too, brother. Thank you so much. And thanks for all the listeners. Thanks for taking your time, attention, and presence, especially your attention. It's the greatest, greatest uh, thing that you can offer. I appreciate it.